Work It Out podcast. Starting now. Hey, it's Brenna Watson, your host for the Work It Out podcast, a podcast where we take a look at different career pathways. We'll be speaking to people in all different stages of their career, from industry experts and business owners to students and apprentices. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Work It Out podcast. We have a very special guest joining us. It's Laura Byrne. Hi. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So Laura, you're the director and designer for Tony May. Yes, I definitely am. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is amazing. It's cool, right? So we just went for a quick walk around the skill show. And what was your first impression? Well, I, I mean, the scale of it for starters, it's huge. But then also, I had no idea prior to you getting in contact with me that, that this even existed. And I just think it's an amazing platform for people to move into a career that's sort of a little bit left of centre and not necessarily academic, but it's just such an amazing stepping stone towards creating people's new businesses. It's it's huge. I don't think until you see it with your own eyes, you finally understand the scale of this competition and how many competitors there are and how many skills and trades For sure. are on show. For sure. I mean, even... Like I would have had no idea that there's there's makeup artistry, there's floristry, there's jewelry design, and then there's people painting incredible uh, like geometric artworks at the back. It's really a special place to be. I know it's it, it's actually my favourite to be with people for their first reaction because I just yeah, watch their yes. face. And I'm like, look, look. Yeah, no, because I, I I mean it's it's far more than what I was expecting this to be. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you. I really want to find out how you got into jewellery making and how you turned it into the business that is Tony May. So I have kind of always done jewellery as a hobby. Um, Very crudely to start with, you know, I was, uh, my mum had studied jewellery when she was at school and she had studied jewellery at university, but she wasn't really given the opportunities or didn't know how to make it a career. So when I was a kid, I would go through her her jewellery box that she'd made and I just thought it was so incredible that she'd made these objects and I thought it was so inspiring that I also started doing it, but I kind of had that same mentality that she had that it wasn't a career. So I then went into doing uh, graphic design and I ended up working in pharmaceutical design yeah (laughs) there's something I didn't know yeah so this is my dirty past so I worked (laughs) in pharmaceutical graphic design um for quite a few years and on the side I was always doing jewelry and it was my absolute passion and I loved everything about it and I would come home from work and I would make jewelry for five hours after finishing my job and so I'd always made things for friends and then I started doing Bonnet Markets and I'd been doing Bonnet Markets for maybe about six or seven months. And I got to a point where I was actually earning more money on a Sunday in one day at the markets than I was making all week in my nine to five job. And the penny just dropped that maybe this could be a career path that I could take. And, and I sort of then really started taking it seriously. And for a very long time, it was my side hustle. So I, I created the business whilst working a nine to five job. Everyone and I, loves a side hustle. Yeah. And I think honestly that that's was the only way that I could do it. Had I quit my job and then decided I'm going to start a business, I would have had no revenue. I would have had no savings. And I mean, I didn't have anyone to give me money to start it. I had to really sort of fund that myself. And working a nine to five job gave me that ability to sort of still have some stability in my life. And then also slowly create this business, which is now Tony May. Yeah. yeah, that's a really interesting story. And I love that you work nine to five and keep going. I think if it's a passion, 
you you really you just got to go for it and you know sometimes we have to sacrifice a little bit to make it work absolutely I think um if you are going to be a business owner, the reality is is that it's not a nine to five job. You don't get to clock on at nine o'clock and go home, you know, when you check your emails and leave for the day. It's all the time. So if you're already doing something that you're super passionate about, that you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about, if you can figure out a way to turn that into a career, then you're going you're going to live a life that's very inspired and you're very happy going to work every day. And that's where I'm at with what I get to do. Awesome. I really want to find out a little bit about your journey with a product to consumer. So when you have the idea in your head, where do you go from there? So I think my approach to it has changed quite a bit um, over time. And I sort of started, uh, my second love was, uh, was travel. And I would, whilst I was traveling, I would pick up gemstones and semi-precious stones. And then I would come home and I would create pieces of jewellery around those gemstones and around the places that I've been to. So there was definitely a very travel-inspired ethos behind the jewellery. And I think I still have that same sentiment when I'm when I'm creating jewellery now, but I definitely have a much more consumer head on me. So I create jewellery that I know that I love, but also that I know is going to have sellability, which is really important when you own a commercial business. Um, and I guess it's the process, though, is still very organic and the process hasn't changed in that it starts with the drawing. Um, it starts with really trying to capture what's beautiful about those gemstones and how I can create a wearable piece around those gemstones. And then from there, it goes to a wax modelling process, where, which like I do that process. And then from there, it goes into production. And then we do the finishings ourselves. So the finishing of the gemstones, the finishing of the metals. And then it's, it's how you get it from that point onto your Instagram channels and onto your website and get it under the nose of the consumer. And, and that's, I mean, Instagram has been an amazing tool for, for sales and for being able to communicate your product with our customers um, and it's free pretty much. Yeah I think Instagram has really taken over that entrepreneurial young person how to connect 100%. and I know a lot of people a lot of my friends that's how they've started their business is they've just put on put their work on Instagram and kind of gone from there and built built a following. Absolutely I think Instagram is such an incredibly powerful tool uh, so is Facebook and it's a tool that for the most part is free. I mean, we do have to sacrifice a few things by using it, but it's a platform that really allows young people to be connected, uh, for new products to be discovered and to, to start a business at a relatively low cost. I mean, back in the day to get the sort of coverage that you can get by putting something online and putting a little bit of money behind it, you would have to do an advertisement on TV or on the radio or in a newspaper. And the money that would need would be needed to start advertising is is not even comparable to what we do today. Yeah, and it applies to so many things. I have a friend back home has a car signage business. Yeah. He gets all his work from Instagram. Totally. So it's not just, you know, the trades that are considered pretty yeah. anymore. It's it really is everything. And don't get me wrong, like it's a hard slog to start it because yeah. when you first start putting your products on Instagram, you think, no one's seeing this. I've got 17 followers. Who the hell's looking at this? But it is an organic and natural way of building a business. And as you get customers and as you communicate your story, that does grow as well. And for us, it's been an incredibly powerful tool for sales and just for keeping in contact instead of having to do emails or things that can sometimes be invasive. We have a platform now where our customers can come on board and see what we're doing every day without us having to be in their face. 
chatting on Instagram, you use it quite a lot to promote your business. What are some tips and tricks that people from all over the trade sector can use to promote their own small business, whether it's landscaping or their own beauty therapy? So I think the number one key I mean, the number one key to having your own business is have a good product. So if you have a really great product, then the second part of that is you need to create really good content. You need clear photos. They need to be great photos that when you look at, you're not like, oh yeah, that's fine. I'll throw that up. You need to to pay attention to it and to really put time and energy into creating really good engaging content that 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 is the framework for your Instagram account because if it looks beautiful and people see just say it's landscaping and they see an amazing backyard and the way that it's been put together that is what is going to draw those viewers in and and when they see it all laid out that's what's going to make them follow you because at the end of the day Instagram is absolutely saturated now it's very hard to get cut through so you do have to have a product and when I say product I mean your Instagram feed that is very engaging and very aesthetically pleasing. So content is king. Is king, and also authentic to who Absolutely. you are. Absolutely, because yeah, as you said, it's saturated. You know, with flicking through thousands and thousands of photos all day long. So you need something that really stands out. Absolutely. And I think that that leads into the second thing that I was going to say is that you need to tell your story. So if you're a small business. The thing that gets people in and the thing that gets people to rally behind you and support you is that they support your journey and they support your business because they support you as a person. So I always found when I was first starting Tony May that when I when I told my story and I told about my travels and I told about how I got started with my mum and even the name Tony May comes because it's named after my grandparents. That was something that was so authentic and genuine about my experience and my business and that is what created true engagement with my customers and I think that that can be replicated in any sector. Um, there's so much value in telling your story because as people that's what we that's what we thrive on. A story always makes you stop on Instagram. 100%. You always want to read and find out a little bit more about the picture. So, and I mean, there's always like, you know, your tried and tested things, like have the right hashtags and make sure that you are engaging with other people, replying to them when they ask questions and those sorts of things, which are going to make sure that people are coming back to your page. Hacks like using influencers or trying to get further reach by doing collaborations with other Instagram pages. But I do think that there's something tried and tested for having great content and telling a great story. Because once you've got those people on your feed, that's what's going to make them follow you. And just touching on hashtags, there's quite a, a lot of people don't know that there's actually platforms where you can put in your category and and it will generate hashtags that apply to your product. Absolutely. And it's just Googling and finding and, you know, talking to people that are successful. How did you do it? It's It seems like something that we should just all know about because it's something that's very accessible to everyone. However, there are... I mean, there's lots of tutorials online that show you how to use it as a business tool. And as a business tool, Instagram is very powerful. And it's very different to how you use it personally. 100%. You don't want to go be putting up bad <laughs> photos. And yes, no bikini that, shots yeah. on your landscape. Well, maybe it'll work, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Your business is obviously quite successful and it's still growing. How do you plan for a long-term business? What are your tips and tricks to someone that's starting out, you know, a good foundation for their small business? I think, um, oh, well, thank you for saying that mine's successful. Thanks very much for that, starters. Um, but I think um, you, you need to, when you start, 
you need to start. I think that there's a lot of people that get caught in procrastination <clears throat> and they have great ideas and they never actually start. And maybe it comes back to that fear of failure, which is very real, but it's okay to fail at things and it's okay not to do a great job at the start. But if, if you don't actually get started, you're never going to move it anywhere. I think secondly, and the biggest lesson that I ever learned in doing business, which came from someone who I always looked up to as a mentor, um, he, he, it was one day I was sitting in my studio, it was 2am in the morning and I was making jewellery and I was finishing an order for a boutique and I'd been there every day until 4am for the past week and he came in, a couple of, couple of wines down on a Saturday night, came in to pick up his jacket and was like, Laura, why are you still here? I was like, I'm just got to finish this order and I was so upset and so flustered and he sat down in front of me and said, you need to get ready. You need to, how are you going to be able to scale this when you have an order that comes in that's, you know, $100,000 or $50,000? How are you going to be able to make that jewelry yourself? You can't. Your business is not scalable. And so after that conversation, that's what made me really woke to the concept that in order to continue to grow, you need to have the, the things in place so that you can scale your business. And you need to have them ready and at least be thinking about it before that massive project comes because otherwise when it comes, you can't take it. Um, and I think thirdly is uh, you need to be able to diversify into other products and continue to grow in your business. So for me, recently, we just brought out a high-end range. So I've always done more sterling silver, street, uh not costume jewellery, but one step above costume jewellery. And now I've also just moved into doing high-end diamonds, creating um, creating jewellery, which is sort of more for the girl who wants a high-end piece but doesn't want a white diamond in her engagement ring. And it's been a really amazing experience because I've been learning again as a jewellery designer how to create this, this new genre of jewellery. But also it's been amazing for our customers because it's just servicing a whole new area that's been in demand and it's allowed us to grow as a business so I think that that's another thing that's really important when you um, have your own business. And diversification can be applied to so many different industries it's you know there's so many ways to diversify and again going back to Google and going and talking to people about how your company can move in the future is really important. You Absolutely. may not have the idea in your own head but talking to people may generate that. And talking to your customers and finding out what they want and what they need and where there is gaps in your business and what you're not servicing. I mean, so long as you're still passionate about what you're doing, it's so important to continue to grow, not only so that you're offering new services, but just so that you're learning and that you stay engaged in your own company, I think is really important too. So you just opened up your first store outside of a mall. Yes. Your first home. Our first flagship boutique. It has been so fun. It's amazing. So we just opened up a, a boutique store on Paddington on Oxford Street in Sydney and it was an incredibly hands-on process but it was also something that was just really, really exciting. So when we took over the space, it was, um, it was pretty dilapidated and it needed a lot of TLC. But now we have a space that really reflects the brand. It really reflects the jewellery. And when someone walks into that space, I think that they really get the vibe of, of what we're going for with the brand as a, you know, as a whole. Yeah, I think it was the hands-on approach that really drew me to getting you onto the podcast because I think you got an appreciation for the traits 
hundred <laughs> percent. I saw a few posts about how hard had you guys had to work in the backyard. Oh yeah, no, I had um I had my partner Matt in the backyard slogging away, pulling up bricks, and um, we both. I mean, we did everything from designing the cabinetry uh, to doing some of the painting to helping with the flooring to ripping up the backyards. I mean. I think we did. Um, we we definitely could have done a better job in some areas because we are not that Probably skilled. Probably could have got some of the guys I, uh, competing yeah. out here. <laughs> I wish I'd known them at that point in time. Um, but yeah, it was such an awesome project, and to see it all come together has been really, really rewarding. We have a little game here in the Working Out Podcast. Man. Yeah, oh, wow. it's a, it's a quick game. But I just have been asking people how they problem solve quickly. You know, how do you make a business decision on the fly? You obviously have to do it every day. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> That's good. You, I think with business as well, like you are always outside your comfort zone when you run your own business. You're always getting thrown things that are curveballs that you're like, I have no idea. But you don't let people know that you have no idea. No. You figure it out. And there's always access to information to be able to problem solve quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No, come, come at me with this game. Mine's paper, scissors, rock, so. <laughs> ah, okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's how I problem That's definitely solve. the adult way to fix problems. Yeah. I, I think so. Okay. I think it's good. I like it. <laughs> um, I just want to talk about like the realistic, the reality of business owning. So it looks good on Instagram and it is great to say that you are a business owner, you know, but what are some of the things that people don't think of when they're going into owning their own business? I think that is such a good question because it really does look glamorous um, and it is not for everyone. It's not a nine to five job. It is not a wage or a salary at the end of the week. It is a really, really hard slog. And at the start, it's it's hours of not sleeping. It's no guaranteed paycheck. And there is also the... Uh, constant fear of failure which I think is really um, so prominent or something that I had to get over and it's actually something I still deal with eight years on Um, you know you you don't have necessarily a manager that you can go to and speak to about the issues that you're having you you may be lucky enough to have a mentor that you can go to and that can advise you but it's it's such a a self-discovery and and it really is you're constantly learning and you're constantly out of your comfort zone and so that doesn't suit everyone um but for the people who it does suit and for the people who are inspired by it it's such a fulfilling job and it gives you so much freedom and so much reward at the same time and you may not make it first time but that doesn't mean you're not a good business owner not at all you know i think that most people don't make it the first time because you have no idea what you're doing and we made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes when I first started Tony May. And I say we now because I'm lucky enough to have my sister as my business partner now. But when I started it, it was just me. And I, uh, you know, I thought the only way to start a jewelry business was to wholesale. You have to, you have to wholesale and you have to get boutiques on board. And so uh, that was my, my big goal. I, st- I created a, a range of jewelry and I made it all by hand myself. And then I went out and I did the hard slogs to get boutiques on board. And you, I felt like I needed them to be able to make sales. And so I bent over backwards to be able to accommodate what they wanted. And at the end of the day, it just meant that a whole lot of bills got unpaid and I was out of pocket and some boutiques had my jewelry and they never paid me for it. And so that was such a learning experience that actually there are other avenues. Um, You don't have to do exactly what everyone else is doing. 
And so for me, I found that the most successful route was direct retail. And so I stopped wholesaling altogether, opened up the our small boutique that we had, which was in Westfield, and just started selling direct to retail because it was something that I could manage. It was something that I had control over and I knew when the money was coming in. And, and I also, it meant that I was much closer to the customers so I could tell what they what they liked, what they didn't like. And, and that for me gave me more freedom. So different things work for different people. Yeah, I think that's some really good real life business. Yeah, <laughs> hope so. So... Taking a look around, we had a quick talk about the changing landscape of careers in sort of the trades and skilled sector and what it meant for young people. And I just wanted to get your opinion on the jewellery sector specifically because that's that's what you yes. are known for. Where do you think that's heading? Um, look, to be honest, I... I have sort of uh, run my own roost when it comes to jewellery. I never was formally trained, but it was also because I didn't really know where to go to to have that formal training. And I didn't really know how to go about starting my own business. It just was a lot of luck and a lot of determination with it. But I think that the amazing thing now is that there is so many great courses that are out there and there's so much more information for people who do want to get into jewellery and who, who aspire for that to be their career the path to do that is so much easier now and it's it's very obvious that there are successful career paths that can be taken from working in an industry where you make things with your hands. Yeah, I think the vet space is really being embraced and that's what Absolutely. World Skills is all about. Yeah, and it's amazing. It really is. I think that that's the biggest thing that's changing is that it's becoming it's becoming so much more accessible for people. Well, that's been some real life business advice from creator and director of Tony May, Laura Byrne. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I, I've enjoyed every second of it. 